And the title of the teaching this afternoon, of the message, is Finishing Well. Finishing Well. It's so easy to start things. It's easy to start reading a book. It's easy to start a project. It's easy to start a diet. No elbowing is allowed in this room. It's so easy to start an exercise program. It's so easy to buy a stationary bike. Because you can put your jacket on it afterwards. <laughs> Mine has uh, two miles on it, and uh, it's easy to buy. Thank you. Uh, it's easy to start a marriage. But you see, no matter how you start, it's how you finish that really matters. And this is even more so when it comes to our spiritual walk with the Lord. You know, not to finish a book, not to finish a project may be frustrating, but it's not a major issue. But not finishing well, the spiritual walk, the spiritual race that God is calling us to, and our Christian commitment can be catastrophic, can be deadly. And this challenge to finish well is not new. Even the believers in Galatia found the same challenge. And this is what Paul writes to them in Galatians 5, verse 7 and 8. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. You see, a good start is not enough. Paul starts in in verse 7, you ran well. The Christians to whom Paul is writing had a great start. They started well. And that's wonderful. That's great. But it's not enough. It's how you finish that matters. Look at what he writes in Galatians 3 verse 2 and 3. Now it's, it's a teaching session. So there will be a lot of scriptures. I don't apologize for that. I'll throw a lot of scriptures at you. I know this is a Bible believing church. And I hope you take notes. You can meditate on what God is saying. What the word of God is saying. But in Galatians 3 verse 2 and 3 it says. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Like Pastor Delina was saying this morning, I know people who started well in the race of faith that are nowhere to be seen. Studying with people in ministry to go into the ministry full of zeal and fire. But today, not only are they not in ministry, but they're not even in the house of God. They're falling away. And that's terribly sad. That how can you start so well, and yet you're not finishing the race? And I need to realize that the Christian race is not a 100-yard dash. It's a marathon. And i got to keep running. And we are called to start that race... But not only to start it, but we are called to finish it. See, God's calling us to be obedient. God is calling us to also be faithful until the end. And faithfulness stays at it, even though giving up would be easier. That's when faithfulness comes in. It'd be easier to give up. We are so quick to give up in our society today. 
people will quickly give up on things and on relationships and on situations. Let me say this to young people. And Pastor Delino was addressing it this morning, but you need to find some people of faith who've been at it a long time. You need to look up to some of them that have been running the race for years and years and years of perseverance. They, they look at their obedience, look at their faithfulness, listen to their stories of faith, be inspired by their de determination to run the race until the end. You need to be inspired. But I want to say to the mature people, I didn't want to say old people, so uh, mature people. <laughs> And I'll say we. We need to realize that we can be an inspiration to a new generation. That as we keep going, we are inspiring a new generation. Like Pastor Delina said this morning, look for your Timothys. Inspiring them to follow the Lord and to run the race of faith till the end because it's worth it. Because it's exciting to keep at it. So the goal is not to start well, but it's to finish well. And verse 7 continues, and it says, who hindered you from obeying the truth? That's what Paul is asking them. And I would like to look at 12 hindrances, 12 hurdles that can stop you from running the race. 12 things, and it's not exhaustive. You may add your own, you may have things that you want to add to, but 12 things that I've noticed that can really slow you down and hinder your race with the Lord. Number one. The people. Point one is done. All right, moving on. <laughs> who are the people who you're allowing to speak into your life? Who are the people? Are people around you encouraging you and motivating you to live for Jesus? Are they encouraging you to run the race, to pursue the will of God in your life? Or is it the opposite? Paul said this to the Corinthian church. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And it's still true today. Who is with you? Who's around you? You know, this can even be true in the church. Not in this church. <laughs> But in some church in Canada. Up north. Or as we should say right now, we the north. That's what basketball is like. But it can be true in the church. Are the people around you constantly criticizing the church? Constantly criticizing the leadership? The programs? Criticize, criticize, criticize? Or are they encouraging you to run the race and serve God with all your might? You know, there's an old saying. It says this. If you want to fly like an eagle, stop hanging around turkeys. I don't know if it's biblical, but. <laughs> but you see, to run well, I got to be careful who are the people in my life. And if I want to run the race, I need to surround myself with runners. I want to be around people that say, I'm going to run this race till the end. That's who I want to be around with. The second hurdle are problems. Problems that can be in our lives. John 16 verse 33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulations. But be a good cheer, I have overcome the world. 
So yes, it's possible that we'll have problems. We'll face problems. And it will slow us down for a moment as we're facing a challenge and we're facing a difficulty. It, it, it can slow us down for a moment. And that's normal. That's when we need others to come in, along our side and encourage us. Maybe we've gone through some disappointments. And because we've been so disappointed, we've said, oh, I don't know if I want to keep on running. But it's normal that problems will slow me down, but it can destroy my faith if I believe that because I'm a believer, I should not have any problems. I'm sorry, but the Bible is very clear. You will have problems. Even if you're not a Christian, you'll have problems in this world. But you got to remember that when God allows a problem in your life, he will provide a solution. See, it's never a cavern. It's never a dead end. It's always a tunnel. You may not see it for the moment as you're walking, but there is a light at the end. And God will provide a solution when there's a problem. The third hurdle is pressures. I mentioned peer pressure, but I'm talking about pressure from around our world, our culture, our society against doing God's will. We're, we're flowing against the tide here. And there'll be pressure. And we need to pray, as those of us that are a little bit more mature, we need to pray for the younger generation because they are facing things that we never faced when we were young. And they're facing greater challenge and the battle is so intense. And we need to pray for them. We need to come around them and support them and encourage them. But we can have all kinds of pressure against living the Christian life and its values. But you know, in times of great darkness, it's easier to shine. It's easier to shine. Just be honest. Just be honest at work. If you're dealing, if you have a business, just be honest. Walk in integrity. You'll shine. It'll be easy to shine. The fourth is sin. Sin will slow you down. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says this. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and lets us run, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Nothing will slow you down in your race more than sin. Sin will burden you, will slow you down, will trip you up, will crash you down. And there's only one thing to do with sin, is repent. That, that, that's what you need to do with sin. You don't need therapy to stay in your sin. I'm a counselor. I'm allowed to say that. Now you may need help in counseling to get out of sin. But don't come to a counselor and say, would you help me stay comfortable in my sin? Not if he's a Christian. No, we, we need to reject it. You don't learn to live with it. You're not making, it's not by making it culturally, culturally acceptable or politically correct. We need to just reject it and repent from it. Because if God says it's sin, then because he created me, he knows what's best for me. Because he created me. Just like a good parent will tell his children what to eat because... He loves them. Not to deprive us of our freedom. It's because our Father loves us. He's saying certain things, don't do it. 
don't do it. It'll just hurt you. The fifth hurdle is material possessions. In John 6 verse 27 says, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Compare that with Mark chapter 4, when Jesus talks about seeds being sown in, in th among thorns, the preoccupation of this world. Now, there's nothing wrong with possessing things and having material blessings. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as your material possessions, your stuff, do not possess you. You can possess them, but don't let them possess you. The goal of our lives is not to increase our material possessions, but to increase in our victories to, as we get the kingdom of God to go forward. That's the point of our lives. Let me ask you a question. Are there things, material possessions, that are hindering you from running the race that God is calling you to run? Are you so preoccupied with material things that you're forgetting about spiritual matters? I had a man tell me this one time. You know, I really wish I could go on a mission trip for two weeks. I really do. But I can't afford it. I said, I'm sorry. He says, I can't afford it. He says, you know, by the time I've paid the mortgage for the house, by the time I've paid the mortgage for the summer cottage, by the time I paid for the three cars in the driveway, by the time I paid for the boat, by the time I paid for the cruise, by the time I paid for the vacation in Europe, I can't afford to go on a mission trip. <laughs> I said, I think your heart is in the wrong pursuit. You're going for material things. God's calling you for victories. God is calling you for victories. The, the sixth hurdle is persecution. Now, just like it is for problems, we should not be surprised that we will have persecution. We will. And Jesus actually promised us that we would. I like to visit homes of Christians. And you know how most Christians have a frame of promises of Jesus on the wall? I've never seen this promise framed up. And, and, and here's the promise in Mark 10, verse 29, 30. Jesus answered and said, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or fathers or mother or wives or children or lands for my sake in the gospel who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. And we says, amen, a hundredfold. Yay. Houses, yes. Brothers, yes. Sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution. And in the age to come, eternal life. So we will have persecution. We can't be surprised by that. It will happen. Now, number seven is more subtle. Hurdle seven is what I call possibilities. This is what Paul said to the Corinthian church in chapter six, verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Now, Paul is saying something very interesting here. He's saying that in the Christian race, the real question is not between right and wrong. Because as Christian, you should know the answer to that. 
So Paul is taking it for granted that we know the difference between what is right and wrong. But what Paul is saying here is to finish well, I need to know the difference between what is good and what is helpful. And what God is calling me to do. Millennials have a new expression. And it's, it's, it's something to describe the new generation. It's called FOMO. Everybody, anybody here heard of FOMO? Yeah, some people are going up. Yeah. FOMO is this. It stands for fear of missing out. And the new generation is filled with that fear. Because they're so exposed to so many things through all the social medias and everything. There's a fear in, in the new generation that they're going to miss out on something. They're so afraid of missing out. And the problem is if you live your life with that fear of missing out something, you'll never start running and pursuing something. You're just going to run around in circle. I need to determine what is helpful in the race that God is calling me to run. And this will be different from one another. Because your race and the calling on your life may be different than mine. Let me give you an example. Is it right or wrong to practice the piano? Wrong question. Right? There's nothing wrong or right about practicing the piano. The real question becomes, is it helpful? In other words, is it helpful in what God is calling me to do? And as I was listening all day to the, the musicians you have and the choir singing, and, and, and I know that there's hours of practice behind this. Is it helpful to practice the piano? Yes, if you're in worship and you call to lead the people of God in worship, it's very helpful. But for me, it's not. I don't have one musical bone in my body. And I know where they all went. I'm listening to your musicians here. So that's where it is. But. Is it helpful to study what neurologists are developing in research, linking it to neuropsychology to develop the behavior of human beings, and then tag along to this the development and the link that the possibility that what Paul wrote in the Romans in, in Romans that when God is promising the renewing of the, of the mind, this is not just thoughts, but this could be physically that God wants to rewire your brain. Is that helpful? It may not be for you, but it's great for me. Because that's what I'm dealing with. You see, and that's where comparison stops. I can't impose on you to read what I'm reading. Unless you're called to do counseling. Just like a musician cannot impose on me the number of hours of practice. So Paul is saying, it's not between right and, right and wrong. Is it helpful to what God is calling me to do? Number eight, our thoughts. I'm going to read two passages. First of all, Ephesians 4, 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you shall no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind. And then listen to what he wrote to the Philippians in Philippians 4, verse 6 to 8. Be anxious for nothing, 
But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made to, known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good of good report, if there is any virtue, if, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate, meditate on these things. What are you feeding your thoughts with? Because your thoughts would precede, the Bible says, and, and most psychologists will tell you, the thoughts will precede your behavior. What are you putting in your thoughts? What are you feeding your mind? What are the thoughts you're feeding your mind? We need to keep our thoughts captive in Christ Jesus. See, I see my thoughts as a wild horse. And sometimes my thoughts will go, woo. I know that's scary when you, <laughs> it's always scary when people hear me and they're my clients and they said, this is the guy that's going to help me. And it's, <laughs> hmm. But you, when my thoughts starts to run wild, I got to remember, I try to grab hold of them and say, no, 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 come back, come back. I'm going to keep you captive in what Jesus is saying. Amen. Not what I'm thinking of, what I'm, Jesus is saying to me. Number nine. Laziness. <laughs> oh, 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 elbowing is illegal. Okay. Let's look at two passages in Proverbs. Proverbs 13, verse 4. The soul of a lazy man desires, but has nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Look at, at, at Proverbs 20, verse 4. I love that, that scripture. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. It's a little bit cold. Doesn't want to go out. It's cold. And he will beg during harvest and have nothing. You reap what you sow. And if you sow nothing, guess what you will reap? <laughs> You'll reap nothing. Now, <laughs> you need to stop thinking that there is no work to be done by you to see God's plan take place in your life. You need to stop thinking that there's no work to be done by you to see God's plan take place in your life. Stop waiting for somebody else, including God, to do what is your responsibility to do. You need to stop and see that God wants you to put something in it. There's work to be done. Stop waiting for it to just come down from the heavens. Stop being lazy. God is not in the adding business. He's in the multiplying business. And this is how I translate this. If I take zero... And multiply it by one million. The result is zero. But. If I take one. Just one. And I multiply it by a million. I'll have a million. You see. God is only asking you. For your one. And he will do the multiplying. 
But you have to give him your one. You have to sow. You have to do what belongs to you to do. And not wait for him to do it. So start sowing. Start working. Well, number 10 is the little sister. And it's the hurdle called procrastination. Ah, I see God's convicting people already. <laughs> That's the little sister of laziness. Well, tomorrow. Tomorrow. You do realize it's never tomorrow. It's always today. <laughs> That's why the Bible says, it doesn't say tomorrow is the day of salvation. No, it says today. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait for tomorrow. Always waiting to start. Well, I'm going to start a diet. And right now you cannot hear it, but my wife is watching online and she is laughing. She is laughing. Okay, I'm going to start a diet. I got to get serious about this. I'm going to start a diet. Um, but this is not a good time. Oh no, it's summer. Barbecue time, summer. Vacation. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's a lousy time for uh, for uh, for a diet. But come fall, oh look out! I'm going on a diet in the fall. A fall shows up. Well, you know, uh, we're trying to uh, catch up and everything. It's not really the, a good time to uh, start a diet right now because you know, back to school, back to everything, and and, and plus in Canada we have the excuse that you, you know it's going to get cold, so we need to pack up to warm up, and you know. <laughs> But after everything is started again, come November, oh, diet time. November, diet time. And then Canadians become American. Because our Thanksgiving is in, is in October, but yours is in November. We said, yeah, that's a good idea. So we go for two Thanksgiving. So we can't start a diet now. Plus, Christmas is just around the corner. Are you kidding me? No, so we're going to wait. January comes. Oh, this is it. I start a diet. And then I let you, you know, you have your own creative reasons why you didn't start in January. So I'll let that to you. Procrastination. One of the things that Paul says, we need to redeem the time. And you see, we need to realize that our lives are like an hourglass with sand. Once the sand has gone from the top to the bottom, it'll never come back up. It'll never come back up. So I got to stop procrastinating. I got to stop losing time. What am I spending my time on? Is it that important for me to know what all my friends had for supper last night? <laughs> and where they went on vacation? And what did their dog do? <laughs> Yet how much time do we spend on social media? Is it wrong? No, but it could be a waste of time. And especially if you're at work. <laughs> All right, no, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop there. Number 11, fear. So many people are limited by their fears. 
and sometimes they're even paralyzed. Yet there's always an element of fear in the adventure of faith. If you're really seeking God for what God is calling you to do, the race that God is calling you to run, and you go in your time of prayer and you pray and you come out of there and say, yeah, yeah, I heard, yeah, it's a good plan. I'm going to start doing that. If you're that confident when you come out of the prayer closet about God's will for your life, you need to go back because you haven't heard from God. Because when we hear from God, it will scare you. Because what God is going to say for you, you're going to be so scared. You say, well, that's I can't do this. And that's exactly where God wants to put us. In that position where we say, I can't do this. And it's like God smiling at us. Of course you can't. <laughs> that's why you need me. That's why you need me. <laughs> See, the place where there's fear is the place where God needs to show up. So many times, God's asking you to do something and say, oh God, if you don't show up, I'm going to look stupid. I'm going to look like a fool. Now you've heard from God. There's a fear factor. And this is where we need faith. We're not to deny our fears, but we're called to conquer our fears. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 defines faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, we need to remember that this race is ran by faith. We are running by faith, the things we hope for. We don't see them yet, but we hope for. And we seek God to show up. And then the last hurdle is our past. Our past mistakes, failures can stop us from running. That we, all, we are disqualified or we're a failure. But this is what Paul says to the Philippians, Christian, and you got to remember, he had many failures and disasters in his life prior to coming to Christ. And this is what he says. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. See, Paul was saying we need to forget the things that are in our past. That we have confessed. We've repented. And sometimes the enemy will like to remind us. When we say, no, Jesus said I was forgiven. So I left it at the cross. So I don't have to carry that. But not only do I have to leave my failures of the past behind, I need to leave my victories and my success of the past behind. Because now is the day. And, and there's still a run, a, a run to race, a race to run ahead of us that we can't just sit back and say, yeah, well, 20 years ago, boy, did I do something good and God was so pleased with me 20 years ago. Now, what is God calling you to do now? What is God calling you to run the race? So to finish well, you need a good start. A good start is not enough. You need to be careful for all the hurdles in the race. But the third point that Paul is saying is this. In verse 8 that we started the scripture with in Galatians 5. You need to keep your eyes on the prize. You need to keep your eyes on the finishing line. It says, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. From him who calls you. To run well the race of faith, I need to keep a clear focus on the finishing line. And here's how Paul will write it in his life in 1 Corinthians 9. Do you not know that those who run in a race are all run, but one receives the prize? 
Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we for an imperishable crown. Therefore run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. See, Paul had a clear line, clear view, a clear focus of the finishing line. Here's how Hebrew puts it. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded, we read it earlier, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, I need to keep my focus. I need to be reminded. I need to keep my eyes on the finishing line. That one day, one day, we're, we're going to stand before Jesus. See, I'm not going to stand before man. We're going to stand before Jesus. And what is Jesus calling you to do? That's what he's going to ask you. What did you do with what I was calling you to do? What is your destiny? What is the plan of God for your life? What is the dream that God put in your heart? That maybe you've given up because it didn't happen. Or maybe you had some hurdles and you stopped dreaming. Maybe God put a dream in your heart for his kingdom. What is the impact? The mark that you want to leave behind at the end of your life. We only live once. We need to make it count for Jesus. We need to make it count. What do you want to hear? When one day you'll stand before him. One day you'll stand face to face. What do you want to hear? I know what I want to hear. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. But that's what we've got to keep our eyes on. That's the price. That's the end. That's why it matters to keep at it because it's all about him. And we're going to stand before him one day and give account. See, I don't want to show up and be embarrassed. I want to see a smile on his face. What do you want to do? What is God calling you to do? What is God calling you? As the musicians will come and join me. We're called to finish well the race of faith. We need a good start, a good foundation. And we need to persevere through the hurdles that, that may come our way. But most of all, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And here's how Paul put it in 2 Timothy. At the end of his life, this is what Paul said. This is what I want to say. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all, all who have loved his appearing. Let this be our motivation and our goal to finish well the race that God is calling us to run. Amen? Can we bow our heads?
it, it, it's obvious to me that, that, that the Lord really wants to speak to some people here. After this morning's message and what God had put on my heart. And I had a burden on my spirit all day. I don't know who you are and I don't know what the reasons are. But this is a matter of life and death for you. God is saying come back. God is saying start the race. Maybe you're not even a Christian. Maybe you came here because you were curious. You, you had curiosity draw you in. Well, I hate to break it to you, but it wasn't curiosity that brought you in. It's the Spirit of God that brought you in. And God is calling you to start the race. Start the race. Get back up. Start the race. And some of you, you've fallen away from that race. Through some of the hurdles that I mentioned. There, there are things that happen and you've stopped running. And you think you're too far to come back. This is where grace comes in. Grace is not permission to live whatever way I live I want to live. That's cheap grace. The grace of God allows me to come back when I've moved away from the right way. And walk back into that race that God is calling me. As we stand right now. Let's all stand. We have a prayer team that will be coming at the front and will be praying for you. But if, if that's you today, you've, you've moved away, you've stopped running, you haven't started running, and you need to come forward today and to declare it once again, Lord, I'm going to run. Maybe you've lost the focus of your life, that it's all about Jesus, and you need to return to that, that walk and that race tonight. His grace will welcome you. His grace will welcome you. Will you come now as the musicians start to sing? Would you just come? Come out of your place and just come right to the front. Just come right to the front. People will pray for you. There will be people here to pray with you. But some of you, you really need to do that step right now. You're moving away from the run, from the race. And you need to come forward and say, Jesus, I'm coming back. I've stopped running. i got to finish well. I'm not heading in the right direction right now. I need to recommit to my race, to the race you're calling me to do. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I pray for every person that came forward. Lord, you know why they came forward. You know what the hurdles are in their lives. You know what's tripping them up. You know the reasons behind, behind why they may have stopped running. But I just th thank you for your grace that you welcome us back and say, get up and start running again. It's not over. It's not over. So I thank you for your grace. I thank you for those that may have come and it's the first time they're saying, Jesus, I, I don't know too much about this, but I want to run this life. I want to run this race of faith. And I pray that you would surround them and bless them. Lord, I pray for each one of us in this house today. Each one of us in this house. By your Holy Spirit, you would remind us to keep our eyes on the prize. Not to be distracted by everything around us, but to remind us that one day we will see you face to face and we will stand before you. And we just want to love you and pour our love and our service to you, Jesus, because you are worthy of all our praise and all our works. In your precious name, Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen.